All right. Welcome back to another week of Agency Journey. This is Green McKenzie. This week, I've got the pleasure of bringing on Noelle Andrews, who is the owner, founder of JobRack. We're going to get into what that business is specifically, but, but welcome aboard, Noelle. Hey, great, great to be here. Will you give us the, the super quick rundown on JobRack, what it is today, not the background, just today? Sure thing. So we help online business owners and especially agency owners hire really great remote team members from Eastern Europe. So how did you get into it? Yeah, so I spent like 15 years in the corporate world, leading and hiring and building large teams in the corporate tech world. I spent a year or so trying to build an interview coaching business, so helping candidates be better at interviews. And then I was just about to jump back into kind of some interim work and JobRack actually came up for sale. So it had been born in a community that I'm in and they'd run it for a couple of years, but it was always kind of a side hustle compared to their main thing. And it was, it was very, very small, like really small, but it was in a good niche. It was, yeah, remote hiring. This is back in 2018. Remote hiring was coming more and more of a thing. Hiring is hard and it was niched down to Eastern Europe, which is just a, an incredible part of the world to hire people from. And so kind of serendipity really, and then kind of jumped in from there. Had you spent any time in Eastern Europe prior to acquiring JobRack? Not prior to, no. And only a little bit since then, really, because COVID. Right. So, uh, yeah, just a couple of trips and then looking to spend a lot more time there over the next year or so. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you acquire it? thought I saw 2018, but is that when you acquired JobRack? Okay, that's awesome. Cool. Well, so just from a business perspective, because I'm interested in what that looked like, why did you acquire it? And what did you see as like, hey, here's how I'm going to increase the value of the, obviously your, your move has not been acquire it, grow it, and then flip it right away. But what was the, what was the big opportunity that you saw? For me, there's a couple of things. So I wanted to spend my time doing things that I enjoy and specifically like speaking to people. So I love speaking to people, right? Get me on the phone with business owners, entrepreneurs, agency owners. That is my jam. That's what I love doing. And so the fact that this was a business that was basically helping those exact people hire was perfect for me. I was like, right, I can see these, my customers are going to be people that I like hanging out with. Therefore, it's not like work. On top of that, the fact it was niche down and I'd worked a lot with people from Eastern Europe and just the quality, the work ethic, everything, like the cultural alignment, like everything about them is, is fantastic. Basically avoids a lot of the frustrations that lots of business owners have with kind of hiring from other regions in the world. And it's affordable, unlike often hiring from you know, US, Canada, UK. And on top of that, it wasn't very much money. So to give you an idea that the vanity metric, that's always good fun to say, is that I have increased the revenue 4,000x. <laughs> there you go. Which sounds amazing. But if you start from a business that's doing $15,15 a month, you know, you kind of get an idea. No, it's still a you know a heck of an increase, but it was very, very small. And that was why it was like it existed. It had a little bit of a brand. It existed very well within this community that I'm in and it had a good database and the tech was done. So instead of starting from scratch and to build that, it just you were 10 steps forward. So it was just like, I can just get going, you know, make the money back pretty quickly and then just go, go, go. Yeah. I think at least in my, the circles that I've been in and experience, there've been some stereotypes about types of available talent in different regions. So the thing that pops to mind for me, thinking of Eastern Europe, and this is, you know, probably six, seven years ago that I first heard this more often was like, this is the place, one of the places to go for UI, UX, like front end design as a common trend. I'm sure once you actually get into the like boots on the ground, there are a ton of talented people in a ton of different roles, but are there specific, like what, what, and this could be a combination of maybe the most popular roles that you fill, which would, I guess be more a function of demand maybe than of supply, but from a supply side, what's most easy to find or what's the easiest role to find qualified candidates for? 
I don't certainly right now though I don't think there are any easy roles yeah like you know we're really to get the really the best candidates you know even we have to really hunt them out and thankfully we're very good at it I've got a really great team I think some I mean Eastern Europe was particularly known especially six seven years ago for software developers software developers graphic designers front end things like that technical education is really really strong and that was what in fact that was why Jobrack was initially kind of born and created for software developers mm-hmm. uh, to help people hire those and then it, it's naturally expanded out. And in reality right now, we are pretty broad between, you know, maybe 20 to 30% of our roles are software developers, 20 or 30% are maybe uh, what we would call like mid-tier uh, tech specialists. So everything from graphic designers, SEO specialists, PPC, operations managers, project managers. And then a similar kind of maybe about 30% or so really, really great virtual assistant, executive assistant, like kind of op specialist, things like that. So it's actually, we have quite a spread now. And some of that is because we've, you know, taken the message to agency owners and SaaS business owners and e-com store owners to say, hey, look, you know, actually, this is what's available. Um, and these are the quality of people that we can we can hire. So, yeah, pretty right. broad. I think the one thing that we don't specialize in is we don't do anything really in the true C-suite arena. You know, if you're like an eight-figure sure. business, you're really looking for C-suite. That's not really a world we play in. But anyone that's hands-on doing or managing and really helping you build a business and an agency, that's the that's the sweet spot. Yeah, that's awesome. Let me hit you with a couple rapid fire questions before getting into. I told you I wanted to talk about like the process of hiring great agency talent, and then I'm avoiding that for the first ten minutes of the podcast here. First question I have is like, how does Jabrack actually work? So we've got two things. So we have a DIY service, which is a job board. Pay a couple hundred dollars, and you post your job, and then it goes out onto our database and our kind of social circles and networks, and you do all the hard work of hiring yourself, but you still get great results for certain roles. And then we have a done with you service where we take all of the hard work out of hiring. So we kind of act like as your, like your hiring guide, but also your hiring Sherpas doing all the heavy work, the heavy lifting for you, going out and finding the right candidates, filtering them, reviewing them, screening them, testing them, basically all of the hard work. And then you kind of like work with us closely to agree a shortlist and then do the interview sort of things. So that's the done with you service that is the kind of the focus of, uh, of what we do right now. That makes sense. You guys are, now obviously candidates look different. But like you can compare job rack to like a typical recruiting firm, you know, 10, 15, 20% of first year salary. You get that front where, you know, there might be, I don't know whether this is a fair assessment or not. Maybe they do a little bit more. I don't know. In my experience, they've been ones that feel like they do a little bit less and, <laughs> and, and they, but in a different price bucket. Then you've got the rise of the virtual assistant staffing business online jobs and then specific kind of niche down again into like executive assistants with companies like they like Tim Francis and great assistant or some of the companies like that where they're like very specialized in, Hey, we'll just find this specific type of role. And that specialization can really probably gives them a, the ability to charge a premium as well. You know, that $5,000 service to basically do the, you know, we'll help you figure out what you need. We'll write the JD, we'll source and we'll give you three candidates and you go interview and pick. So you, you've got some different models in there and it's cool to hear like you guys have the job board and then the, the white glove piece to staff that. What does the team look like to try and staff that business? Yeah. So we've got a team of where are we up to right now? 15 as of today, most or two thirds of them, if not a little bit more are on the recruitment side. So sources, recruitment assistants, very heavy on the, you know, like any agency on the delivery side and then the operations side. So these are the people that are helping us craft really amazing job posts to help us you know, attract the attention of the best candidates, then really getting out there, headhunting, sourcing, filtering, 
doing screening interviews, things like that. So the majority of the team is focused on that kind of operations and that uh, and that delivery. And and like you kind of hinted at there with the different models that are out there. And there's tons of different ways that you can hire people. For me, I've got a big belief that, you know, an agency owner, the way, if you want to build a committed team that's going to help you grow your agency and your business, I feel that they need to be your team members. So personally, I'm not a fan of the kind of services that the the team member works for the service and then they kind of like pass through the payment and they've got maybe a 20 or 30% uplift on it. Um, it takes some headache away, but for me, I want people to be working kind of for me, regardless of the legal arrangement. Um, I kind of want those to be my team members. And like you said, there's lots of people in the recruitment industry kind of, you know, with 20, 30% questions and some of them work really hard for it. I like the fact that there's a lot of cost efficiencies with hiring from Eastern Europe as an example. And I like passing that on so we keep our fees kind of yeah, profitable, but sensible and affordable. Right. Makes sense. What have you seen? I'm sure for roles, this looks different, but let's take like the executive assistant or ops type role. Is there a max? Eastern Europe is kind of nice because you can touch most of the world with like with at least a couple hours of, of overlap. But is there a max time zone differential that you'd recommend to people who are like, hey, I'm talking to somebody in San Francisco. Like That's going to be a tough, potentially nine hour swing. If we need overlap, that'd be tough to staff. Yeah, so the way that we normally do that, so I think the minimum overlap is two hours, right, yep. for most roles, right? Because actually, it doesn't matter how autonomous and asynchronous that their work can be, you kind of want to talk to them every now and again, right? You want to do one-to-ones, involve them in team meetings, things like that. So for me, a minimum of two hours a day, or at least two hours, maybe three or four times a week, is, is kind of it's kind of key. So what we would do if we're hiring for people on the West Coast, for instance, we will typically hire someone to work from maybe... 11 a.m. through till 7 p.m. or midday through till 8 p.m. Eastern European time, which is typically kind of Central European time zone, so GMT plus one. So that actually then gives us that kind of three or four hour crossover in the West Coast morning, which kind of deals with with that. I'm really not a fan of asking people to work night shifts, to work early hours of the morning. I don't think it's great for health and well-being. I don't think it's great for longevity and actual long-term satisfaction. Therefore, you know, so we don't do a lot in that space. We just try and adjust it and say, hey, people working through till 7 p.m., 8 p.m., very, very happy with that, no worries. That's how we kind of handle that crossover piece. And if someone who's uh, trying to give a good example, like you said, Eastern Europe does cover quite well. You know, we've got a lot of clients in Australia that it works well for. So that, for me, two hours is about the minimum that you want to hit. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, let's talk process here because that's what uh, we're process nerds, obviously. The agency side and we can kind of hit i'm going to try and skip ahead this is going to be for my own benefit more than for anybody else so sorry to, sorry if you're listening um i want to know like the stuff that is not the stuff that might not be surface level isn't like immediately what what we think of if we've done you know i want to talk to the people who've done this this is not their first time ever hiring anybody so if we just look at it kind of start to finish the first thing is just kind of defining success to find like what do i actually need are we picking the right role what are the things you've seen like the the world-class hirers, employers, like they've got some framework or some way to define what they need. What have you seen work best in terms of figuring out, is this the right role to hire for? Who do I need? What am I looking for? Yeah. So the first thing is don't start thinking about a role because often we get pigeonholed and we go, right, I need a PPC specialist or I need a graphic designer or I need an executive assistant. And it just kind of like squeezes our head into a, what does that role do? Right. What is it okay to ask? And actually what's much better is to start with what are, what are the outcomes and the outputs that you want to produce? Ideally outcomes, right? So what is the, if you think forward, like a few months, when you're sitting in their monthly one-to-one and you've got their employee scorecard with you, 
we'll come to that in a sec, what are the metrics that you're going to kind of judge them by, right? What's their success criteria? So if you can start with that, and then that lets you think about the outcomes that you want, then you can think about the outputs that you need, that they need to deliver in order to hit those outcomes. And then you can start thinking about, right, what skills and experience do they need to be able to do those outputs? And a lot of my time is spent with people kind of running through this kind of stuff and then going, yeah, you can completely combine that skill, that skill, and that skill. That That's completely okay. So for me, yeah, don't worry about a particular role. Just start with what it is you need doing. And then, you know, either with peers, either with a management team or with people like me, I do a lot of kind of almost just riffing on this, just trying to figure out and say, right, let's, well, if you want that, is that two roles? Is that one role? Kind of just guiding on the skills that can be found. So that's the first thing to think about the outcomes you really want. And then the crucial thing is you typically agency owners are going to typically start thinking about hiring when they're about 100% of capacity, maybe 120%. You're already overworked. You're already stretched. Your team's crying. The clients are getting a bit hacked off because maybe service is slipping a little bit and you're thinking about what you need right now. Whereas what you want to think about or really, really ideally you should be thinking about is what do you need in six months and in 12 months? And that then ensures you get someone that isn't, uh, you know, kind of just outpaced day one. And also naturally, ideally, this is where Eastern Europe particularly is great because if you can hire at a slightly lower cost than locally, that lets you start thinking about hiring at maybe 60% capacity, 70% capacity that lets you do this in a slightly calmer fashion. A good friend, a friend of mine often says to me, he says, you know, wise men never rush. And it's when we rush that it kind of starts getting tricky. So yeah, thinking for what you're going to need in six or 12 months. Yeah. I think even just saying that, like the the instant reaction for a lot of people is, I have no idea what I need. And we talk a lot about like finding the focus in the business, like the more, and one of our one of our principles from our agency freedom manifesto back in the day was like make the hard decision once that makes every following decision easier. You know, there's a bunch of people have popularized that same sort of idea. But the more that you figure out, like for job rack, it'd be a lot easier to predict. Hey, we've got two main ways that we serve people, and we serve one market from one geo. Like it becomes a much easier problem to predict what you're going to need six months from now than if you're where our agency was 11 years ago, which is if you have money and you want something done related to the internet, we'll do it and figure it out. Like I have no idea what we're going to need in six months. It depends on what people have money to pay us for in six months. So focus is definitely a piece of it, but I'm sure there's other ways that we can get to it. Can I throw, I'm going to throw a situation at you. This is my personal immediate situation at you. And maybe we can just do this practically. It's like, uh, hey, how would we think to the goal? So I'm, let me just go to my inbox right now. I'm normally inbox zero type of person. I've got, let's see, 44 emails sitting here in my inbox. Some of these, what's the longest, oldest one here? End of June, a little over, a little over a week old on some of these. I have, so I'm huge on relationships. That's like my standard for life is like relationships matter most. And I want to, I want email to be a tool to initiate to build the healthy relationships, but want to spend as little time as possible in actual email. There's not a lot of like great deep relationships that get built just over email. So I want to spend less time there, but I want the people who deserve a, a quicker response time from me. And well, that might be bad goal, but look, that's one of the outcomes that pops to mind is I want help with my inbox. And so I think what you're saying is like the easy thing that comes to mind is I need an executive assistant. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true, but I've got this like some, a, a handful of admin needs. Um, there's a lot of nuance in my email. This is a prospect. This is a client. This is a strategic partner. This is Noel who's about to come on a podcast. It's like there's there's a handful of different types of situations like that. How do you go about, and then so kind of spec into that role, we could look at like, hey, I want someone to help support me with my 
ClickUp tasks or my HubSpot tasks or my like whatever my workload is and calendar management and you know those types of things. What are the what are the things like? Is that the right way to approach? Hey, here's the because those are kind of outcomes. Like I, I want to be at inbox here every day, but that feels like a weak outcome to me. How do you take that and make a better outcome from that? Or is that a fine outcome and then it's okay now we we spec this into whatever we're going. I think it's okay as a start. I think the biggest thing for me is making sure that whoever you have working with you or for you is that you tell them the outcome that you want. Like what's the real like job to be done? Yeah. So I don't know if you're familiar with this, the jobs to be done framework, and it all talks about like McDonald's milkshakes and why people buy them first thing in the morning. And it's not because they, they want the nutrients, questionable how many nutrients are in a McDonald's milkshake. They taste good. But actually what they wanted was something to entertain them on the commute to work because it takes time because they're so hard to, to suck through the straw. And the jobs to be done, the job to be done here is that you want to actually spend as little time as possible on email, but curate and maintain really high quality relationships with people over email. So what that means is that, you know, if, if you communicate that to an EA and, you know, really kind of help them understand you and what's important to you, they can help you prioritize things. So for me with my EA, we've got a system in place with my inbox that my in inbox does get kept pretty much to zero, like all the time. And we have a couple of folders and one of them is attention required. So when something needs my attention, it gets put in there. So I almost don't look at my inbox anymore. I look at the attention required folder and there are some things that she can suggest responses to, in which case she does. There are some things that she just responds to on my behalf, which is great. But unlike you, for me, the personal relationships, it's really important that it's me doing that. Or if it's not me, that it's actually clear when it's not me. So for me, the big thing is ensuring that they understand really what it is you want out of it. And that is really strong relationships and minimal time on email. Then finding the process, the systems, the rules, etc., that work to enable that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we got the outcome defined. Like, what happens next? Is it become job description, like role definition and job description? So that that's one particular thing. That what we would normally do is you and me, we'd be riffing and saying, well, what else could they take on for you? And yep. ultimately, you know, if you do like a, there's like a one um, assessment called XDS, which is like eliminate, delegate, simplify, and it's just about how do you spend your time, right? And what you really want is someone that's a taking as much off your plate as possible and asking you every day and saying, what can I take off your plate today? Right. And so that someone is proactively challenging you to think about what can you delegate to them. That it's painful sometimes, but in a really good way, because it makes me think about it and it makes me invest the time. Right. Okay. Well, if I just shoot this Loom video, I can get this off my plate kind of forevermore. And so, yeah, so normally we'd get come up with a list of tasks that helps us shape the skills you need. And then in our case, we would take on that work of, you know, crafting the job post, going and finding the people. But, you know, the main thing is thinking build a bit of a list of tasks of what you want. Like what are, the, what are the multiple outcomes you want? And then what skills and experience do they need? And what kind of attitude, right? So for me, for an EA, I want them to be inquisitive. I want them to be proactive. I want them to be, you know, going and Googling and saying like, right, what, what are the best Gmail filters rules that I should implement, right? Like a really common one for me is, you know, meeting acceptances. I do not need to see them and neither does my EA. So just because someone's paid a bit less than your time is valued at, doesn't mean that they shouldn't automate stuff. And I really want all of my team to be focused on automating things as the first step, right? How can we automate it? Get that rid of that. Right. Then other things we can simplify if we need to keep hold of them. So yeah, come up with a list of outcomes you want, the different things you want to work on. Think hard and, and get some inspiration from other people. And then yeah, skills, experience, and then we start refining that into a job post and the kind of person that you might need. Yep. I want to skip over, this might be, feel free to disagree with me if you don't want to, but skip over some of the sourcing. 
if there's anything you want to mention on that front, I'm happy to happy to have that conversation. But like the easy answer is get these things down, figure out you're either going to go self-recruit and self-source, in which case you got the LinkedIn and Indeed's and your network and, you know, like all the, all the common stuff or work with Jabrack or a, another sourcing partner. Um, moving through that, I've heard some advice from people, especially around like applicant experience. Really in the last year, that's become a huge, and probably longer than that if you're in the space. So for you, yeah, we've been talking about that since 2018, but as the marketplace has just gotten way more competitive, it's become a lot more important. People saying, hey, you know, we want to turn this process around within two weeks or I've heard 10 days, I've heard three weeks, I've heard any number of times. But what does, what does a healthy hiring process look like from kind of applicant in to what comes next? Yeah, so the most important thing is to inject yourself into the process, even if you're not in the process, right? So there's so many great tools now, you know, that help you capture, to get applicants to record videos and things like that, that lots of applicants hate, right? Especially when English is not their first language. And they might have great English, but it's still a little bit intimidating. So one of the things that I recommend is put a video of you in the job post, right? Right up front, you know, hey, it's great here. I'm the CEO of Zenpilot, and I'm looking for a really, really great executive assistant to help me you know, maintain great relationships and keep my inbox at zero. If this sounds like you, check out the details below to apply. So then they, just like that, 30 seconds, and then they see you, and then they're like, ah, oh, well, that's great. That's who I'm going to be working for. He goes, cool. He sounds like a nice guy. I'm going to be much more inclined to kind of go through the process. The second one is, you know, if you're asking them to record a video later on, you know, again, set clear expectations. As you kind of, and these are all the things that make candidates feel good in your job post, make sure you're including, you know, social proof, right? So what do your clients think about Zenpilot, as an example? What do your team feel about Zenpilot? So we include little kind of testimonial comments from our team about what it's like to work at JobRack in the job post, which then makes people feel so much more kind of like, oh my God, they're excited to come and work for JobRack and to apply. And so we do this, you know, with all of our clients. It's about how do you make, like you said, the candidate experience, how do you make them feel as good as possible? and keeping a really kind of streamlined process as much as you can. Crucial phase is testing and setting expectations upfront. So in the job post, again, we set a lot of expectations. So we're, we're going to tell them how to apply. We're going to tell them what's going to be involved. We're going to, hey, you're going to click apply. You're going to fill out an application form. It's going to be a lengthy application form because we want you to put some effort in. If you don't want to put any effort in, no worries. This isn't the job for you. Then there's going to be a screening call uh, or a screening video. Then there's going to be a test. Then we're going to get on an interview and see if we're a really good fit and have a really great chat and get to know each other because interviews are, are two-way. So we do a lot like that around that candidate experience. And crucially for any agency owner, any business owner, the most important bit of all of this is the test because there are some people out there that are amazing at interviews. That does not mean they're amazing at doing the job you want them to do. And so the test is the one opportunity you've got. Give them just, we recommend like one to two hours of tasks mini projects, mini scenarios, the kinds of things they're actually going to do for you. And that's, we help people do that. We create a lot of tests ourselves. We always do custom tests because it's about, right, what are they going to do for you? Let's figure out, have they got the aptitude and the experience to actually uh, to do that? So that's, that helps a lot, makes things a lot more streamlined and really, really kind of lets you see how they work before you get to Did you have any reference? Like, is a reference check always part of the process? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They are not perfect right because nobody's going to give you a reference that's trying to say bad things however we always so we all we assist the referencing process but we always recommend our clients do it directly because if i contact the company to ask for a reference on a candidate i'm coming at it from a recruitment up you know a recruitment service perspective they're going to give me different answers than if you gray if you phone them up and be like hey i'm thinking about hiring Noel. what was it like when he worked for you 
how would you score him on a rate on a range of kind of one to ten? And there's things that you can ask that you then see how comfortable are they answering things like that. And you're gonna you can dig in a little bit more. It is very very rare for us to have a scenario where someone can actually get references that will lie for them. So issues are very very few and far between. But the the eighty twenty, in fact, the ninety nine percent benefit of references isn't in doing the references. It's in telling the candidates you're going to do the reference. So in the interview, you can, and in the job post, we again say, we're going to take up reference. In the interview, you could be saying, hey, so um, what's your current manager called? Okay, how do I spell that? Cool. So when I speak to him, like, what's he going to say is the best thing about you working for? And, you know, and then you can go in and then you can say, okay, well, what's, you know, what would he want more from you? What's, what would his biggest frustration be? And having that conversation whether or not you take up references, and I always recommend you take up references, but having that conversation, actually, you're getting like 80, 90% of the benefit. Yep. That's awesome. But the end of, uh, so I want to come back, I want to come back to a couple of questions that I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best not to forget. End of the process, negotiation, offer, even somebody signing up, like this, this happened last night. We sent an offer, candidate just accepted the job offer. What can we do to wow or like to make this a great experience in these couple of weeks before starting? Okay. So first of all, communicate right. really, really clearly. I let them know what to expect. Let them know what's going to happen. If you can, and if they're up for it, get them into, you know, maybe email and Slack even before they start, right? Ask them, are they happy to do a little bit before they start? Just getting familiar with things. You know, would they like that? Would they like to join the team meeting? you know, before they start. And a lot of people really would, right? Because it just, you know, relaxes them for their first day. Biggest thing though is setting expectations. Do a really good job about setting up their access to systems and things like that and have a clear plan in place for their first, like first day, first few weeks, including really getting time to meet other and talk to other members of the team, right? So if you imagine if we were starting work or someone started working in an office, they're going to spend time at least say hello to other members of the team. When we're remote, you have to be a little bit more intentional about it but the benefits are huge. So when everyone, anyone starts in my business, they get 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes with every member of the team. Now there's 15 of us, that's just about still doable. As we grow, we'll see, but I'm a big fan of that. So even if it was every member of their department and then the other department heads, but for me, having a team member that really understands how the business ticks and where people live and what they do is, is super important to me. So yeah, just think about how you'd like to be treated and do that and if you want to kind of like hack this then go to your existing team and say hey when you started what do you wish we told you what do you wish we'd done and get them to just chuck their ideas into a google doc that becomes your onboarding process yeah that's awesome cool all right couple uh quick ones that i jotted down um when i asked people hey what are the things that you want answers on first one any book is there one book some of the uh, principles even asking about references and using a uh, thread of reference as you go is like you know books like who or or stuff like that is there one book that you'd recommend or a couple books that you'd recommend for people looking at hiring who want to do a, a bang up job so honestly I, there's there's tons of great books out there who is it is a great man a great book there's honestly not because I think it depends what you want to be good at right so I most agency owners are probably not out there reading books on bookkeeping right or accounting. There's some great books out there on bookkeeping and accounting, by the way, but it's probably not the thing. And I kind of treat hiring the same way for me. It's about that you need to know enough. So I think the who, the who method of hiring is probably my number one, right? Because yeah. it's really good to be, because the key thing that that focuses on is the interview. And as much as I don't entirely buy into the approach of the number of interviews they do and the, the format, there's some really good things that you can pick out. 
But overall, I think it's about get, you know, get something you'll come to with, talk to people about, you know, great interview questions. And I tend to share, there's a few different approaches I share and then get good at actually having a conversation with someone. There's way too much is written about interviews that end up being very one-sided. I want to get to know the person. I want to know what makes them tick, what has shaped them effectively, because that's going to tell me how well they're, they're going to perform. Yeah. So, yeah. On the hiring side, I think the Who Method, the other book that I always love to recommend because it's new onto me, it's absolutely amazing. It's called Die With Zero. Absolutely amazing book and highly recommend read it. It basically says if you die and you have money in the bank, you've either worked too hard or not had enough fun. And none of us want to work too hard and none of us want to have not, not have enough fun. So really recommend that. Yeah. What is your favorite ATS applicant tracking system? <laughs> so for me, it's workable. That's the one we use. And top tip for any agency owners, if you want to try it, it's free for one role. Great. The key thing with workable, but probably not the free version. So for us, the biggest thing is it has video built in and there's, aren't, there's no limits on the video, which is super important for us. Lots of the other ATS systems out there, it's like you can do a two minute video or you have to go out to another thing. I want to me and my clients, I want us to be able to see everything about the candidate in one place. I want to scroll down. I want to see all the communications. I want to see the application forms, videos, everything. So for me, it's workable. We've been with them a year. We've just renewed. Very, very happy with them. Got some great features. And yeah, I think that is, is very, very good. The market's always changing kind of thing. But if anyone's ever got any particular questions, I'm always happy to kind of you know, help out on that too. Awesome. Next and last one that I got submitted to me that I decided to kick over with best or recommended, hey, here's a benefit that you should offer at your agency. You can take this in either direction. Either funniest one you've seen, or like, hey, this is weird, this is creative, this is kind of cool. Or is there something out there that is not normal that you feel like, hey, why don't agencies just offer this? I think we're, we're looking at this ourselves here at JobRack right now for our team. And so I'm crowdsourcing this and looking at what all of our clients offer. The one that I think I like the most, and it's really simple, is give everyone their birthday off because everybody likes their birthday and everybody would love to not be working on their birthday. I genuinely believe that. So I think having their birthday off, and it's really simple, right? It's one extra day a year. So I think that's a good one. Some significant ones I've seen recently is like wellness stipends. So money towards kind of wellness. Uh, training budgets are pretty common. The other good one I've seen recently, actually, which is more of like a kind of a human benefit, is a friend of mine runs a business and he has an R&D pot, so a pot of money for research, research and development, and any of the team can bid to spend some or all of that money. And it's just like a one-pager, they can put in their idea, and it isn't there to be spent. Once it's gone, it's gone until the next budget period, but it's there and it encourages the team to come up with ideas, you know, a little bit like Google time and obviously the whole history of where Gmail came from. So I like that idea, and actually that benefits don't need to be individual benefits, they can be kind of team benefits. So yeah, that, they're my kind of couple of them. That's, I think that's a great model. We, um, we run an EOS, part of our three-year picture is that we'll spend 10% of our budget into R&D, but that process for how that gets allocated right now is not a, you know, like people can't just uh, submit bids. So that, that could be a cool idea. This has been super fun. I can keep rolling with questions, but the website is jobrack.eu, correct? Yep, that's right. Anywhere else that we should point people? No, I think that's the main place, jobrec.eu. And, uh, you know, if anyone uh, wants to kind of just have a chat, understand what's possible, I am, you know, we, my entire strategy and our entire approach is be helpful and friendly. And so that's what we strive to do. So whether you are, whether anyone's looking to hire from Eastern Europe or not, whether they're looking to hire right now or not, um, but, you know, if they just want to have a chat about what's possible or what other agencies are doing, then always happy to jump on a call and, and chat that through. This has been really fun. Thanks, Noel. I appreciate your time. No worries, Greg. Good fun. Cheers, man.